Okay, uh, we're happy this morning to have uh, Michael Elkins, who's going to be bringing us the Word. I'll let Michael tell you his story. And part of what we do here on Sunday morning is um, just a couple things. Uh, first of all, we hear what God is saying to the person who speaks. And it's really interesting how, over the last several weeks, how stories and, and the general thrusts of messages have just sort of dovetailed and Everybody's hearing the same thing in a, in a very general but yet specific way. The other thing it does, it allows us, since we have, um, most of us are new to each other in one way or another, it allows us to get little snippets of someone's story that will allow us to be able to know them better. And you just come away, aha, okay, so I better understand now. And so this morning, Michael's going to come, and uh, Michael will tell you his story, and he'll also tell you what God is putting on his heart. And uh, we just invite him up, and y'all just make him welcome this morning. Give him a big old hand, okay? Thank you, sir. Thank you, Keith, for letting me do this. We'll see how much you thank me in about 20 minutes. Uh, like Keith said, my name is Michael Elkin. Some of you may know me. I'm, my wife and I are from Savannah. And just a little thumbnail sketch of me. My wife and I are trained children's pastors, but we're not children's pastoring right now. But the habits of a children's pastor will come out of me. So do not be surprised if anything happens. And... Just as a bit of warning, uh, since being a children's pastor, I had an outlet for all of the voices in my head. Some voices may pop out. So if for some reason I begin speaking like Elmer Fudd, don't worry, I'm a Twain professional. <laughs> the text, and I hate to say text because it sounds so preachery, but from Matthew 6, where it said that one of Jesus' disciples said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, you know the rest. And that was one example of how to pray. That was a very textbook kind of example. This is how you do it. But later in that same book, Chapter 26, Jesus gave us a very real example of how to pray. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Then he went a little further, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. And that struck me because I've heard this story over and over and over again. Jesus taught them how to pray. Then, in a very secret private place, with just a couple of his disciples nearby, who, by the way, were sleeping, they missed the whole thing, he gave us a very real example of how to pray. And it got me thinking because in another place where I heard a, an elaborate description of 
where his sweat became as drops of blood. And somebody explained it. It says it's a, it's a medical condition where people get in such anguish over something. They've just, you've been there, you've been praying about something that's really, really important to you, and you just get so tight. Every muscle in your body is just locked up because you're in such turmoil. And you, you can feel it. Your skin is tight. Your hair is tight. Your eyes are just, you've got them so squeezed shut, you may not be able to open them again. And they said, it's a, it's a rare condition. Thank God for that. But it's something called hematohydrosis. And that's where the, the blood vessels around your sweat glands, just everything's constricted because you're so locked up. And when you spasm and the blood vessels break because there's just so much tension. And the blood and the serum leaks out into your sweat glands and you're actually sweating blood. And I thought how awful it was for Jesus because it wasn't just a surprise to him that all of a sudden he's going to go to the cross. He knew about this for days in advance. And he was telling his disciples, here, I'm about to go up to the cross. They didn't understand. But he knew he was about to step into his last moments. And he said, let it pass from me, but not my will, but yours, Lord. And I said to God, okay, what am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed to do this? What am I doing here? And he, God very distinctly said, teach them about prayer. Okay, how am I going to teach anyone about prayer? Because I really don't understand it completely myself. But that's what he did. He said, teach them about prayer. And then he said something that really got me thinking. Friday night, in here, right over there. He said, recycled prayers. It's okay. You're going to have to help me with this one. And I got to thinking because, okay, recycling. Everybody knows about recycling. Some big cities, they've got bins you've got to put specific things into. And if you don't do it right, you'll get a fine. And there are policemen who will come by and inspect your recycling bins. It's pretty harsh, but you know, I guess it's that important for them to recycle. But why recycle prayers, God? And it got me thinking about the early part of my wife and I's marriage. Because I had a job that wasn't the greatest job in the world. It didn't pay great. So everywhere I drove in Savannah, I had a plastic bag in the seat behind me. If I saw an aluminum can, I'd grab it, throw it in. And over a week's time, I would accumulate enough aluminum cans that I could take them to the recycling center and get money. That I could put gas in my car and eat Otherwise, I wouldn't be driving anywhere and I wouldn't be eating. So that recycling, was it, it was worth something to me. And then I heard somebody recently, you know, we're all talking about water bottles. This is a fresh one. Keith had this one this morning. There's a great thing you can do with a, recycle, with a plastic bottle like this. Put it under your arm 
and do this. <laughs> See, that's the children's pastor in me coming out. But you look at this, and it's just a plastic bottle. It's worthless. Except if you look on here, somewhere on here, where is it? Somewhere on here, yep, there it is. California, this is worth five cents. There was even a news article recently where a person using food stamps purchased a large number of these, went outside, poured all the water out, took it to a recycling center to get money so he could buy booze and cigarettes. Yeah, it's a little too creative. But if you take this and about 199 more of them, shred them up, feed them through a certain machine, it will feed out yarn that you can make a sweater. So you can take something that's worthless and turn it into something that's useful. You can even take about, I don't know, around 2,000 of these and turn it into a car bumper. So this could actually be something that could save your life. Who knows? But what does that have to do with recycled prayers, God, I said? Prayer is a very intimate communication with God. I believe it is. Because I get very intimate with God when I'm communicating with Him. Because you might as well. He knows your heart. He knows exactly what you are. And he's not interested in you trying to put up a smoke screen. He wants you to be sincere with him. So, okay, how, since, how much more sincere can I be, God? How much more transparent can I be to you? When we first become Christians, we have to have some kind of form. We have to learn how to pray because I wasn't taught how to pray. In my house, it was very structured. You know, Grace, Dad said it, and it was very quick. Not terribly meaningful, but it's just what you did. It was a routine. At church, we had grown men who were praying, and they were being very King James in their prayer. O oh Lord, thou who dwellest above. Look down upon us in thy mercy, lowly worms though we are. I don't know him personally. But the prayers I learned when I became a new Christian, I had to have something to copy because I really didn't know how to do it myself yet. And I took these prayers, and I learned them, and I said them over and over and over again. And I didn't know any better, because that was just me. All I knew was I had a form, and I could pray, and I could get it done. And I felt like I accomplished something. But as I matured, I began to understand that prayer is not... A formula. You use 
a framework on a house to build the house. But even using the same framework on 10 different houses, you're going to get 10 different looks. You have to start off with something basic. I knew that. So I kept saying, God, why am I recycling a prayer? Well, to recycle this, you have to deconstruct it. You have to tear it up. You have to shred it into tiny bits in order to feed it into a machine so you can get something useful out of it. Okay. How do I deconstruct a prayer? You can't just shred up a prayer. I had to look hard at my own habits of prayer. What was I doing with prayer that was going to be necessary to shred it? How can I shred my prayers? I'm going to throw this away before I drop it. So I had to take a good hard look at my own prayer life. What was I doing wrong? Because I knew, I'm sure you've all been there, you've been praying and praying something, and it just, like it goes nowhere. It's like a lead balloon. Lift it up, boom. It's okay. What am I not doing right? How am I failing in this, God? How am I failing in my prayer life? How can I shred this up? feed it back in and get something useful out of it. So I went back to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Okay, there's the easy part. God's in heaven. I'm, I'm okay with that. Hallowed be thy name. Even at my most heathen, in my worst days, in my worst activities, one thing I would, and I, I use some four, six, eight, and ten letter words. Never once could I ever bring myself to take the Lord's name in vain. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I grew up in church. Had a drug problem in church. I got drugged to Sunday school. Drugged to Wednesday night. I learned at an early age that God is to be reverenced. So I always held that very close. I never took the Lord's name in vain. I'm not saying that proud. I'm saying that in relief, that at least something stuck from my early days. Then I went on, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is where I tripped and fell. Heaven's perfect. God is perfect. How can we have perfect here on earth? It's always going to be a struggle for us to make perfect in an imperfect world. And I kept thinking, how can I make this perfect? How can I make my prayer perfect? How can I even come close? I couldn't get any answer to that. Uh, so I went on, okay. Thy kingdom come, and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's easy. I know God's our provision. I'm okay with that. Even when it looks like I don't have provision, because right now I don't have a job. And that's tough. 
especially now when it seems like every other person doesn't have a job. And I should be scared to death, but I'm not. Because if I've got faith in God, I've got to stick with that prayer that says, God, you're going to provide. The next part is one I've had trouble with. I mean, forgive us our debts so that we can forgive our debtors. People do stuff to you all the time. I mean, it's a given that somebody's going to hurt you at some point in your life, sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot. Being able to forgive that easy, I wasn't taught that way. My, my mother was my example of how you treated people who hurt you because my mother should have spiritual muscles like this from carrying around all those grudges. She, she still talks about things that happened 30, 40 years ago that someone did to her. I was like, that is no way to live. I can't do that. I even had an argument with her because of an incident with her and her sister. And I tried to be reasonable, to you know, be that good Christian, like I would just become a Christian, talk to her about that rift between them. No, she wasn't going to have it because they did wrong and they need to apologize. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say if somebody does something wrong to you that you've got to wait till they apologize. It says if there's anything between you and your brother, you've got to go, not them. You don't wait for them. You go. Make it right. It's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that, God. I can, I can try to do that. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with God being my direction. But I still came back to, how can I recycle this prayer, God? How do I recycle? And then it just dropped on me like a ton of bricks. The only thing I've got to recycle is my heart. Because it's not, it's not your mind that God's concerned about when you pray. He's not concerned about your experience. He's not concerned about your accomplishments. Only thing God is concerned about is your heart. And that was, that was a mental image I wasn't really kind of prepared for. Okay, I've got to feed my heart into a recycling machine. I, it's got to shred it up. It's got to be broken. I've got to take my heart, which had value, and I've got to break it down so that I can regain value. And that, that stung because, you know, here I am thinking, okay, I was doing pretty good. Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> I've, I, when, when this stuff happens to me, said I just got to let it happen. I just got to let it happen. If I start wiping my eyes 
all of a sudden I'll look like, you know, the Lone Ranger or something. So every time God encouraged me to deconstruct my heart, it's like, okay, I'm climbing up a little bit. Now, it doesn't mean I climb up a little bit and I stay up there. Sometimes I've climbed up a little bit. And just like any kid who climbs too high, I take a tumble. And it's okay. I get some bumps and bruises along the way. But the important thing is to get back up, which, thank God, I've got back up every time. Sometimes it took me a little while. And my wife's earnest prayers for me. And sometimes her, uh, her earnest uh, conversations, sometimes it was an earnest kick in the pants. But instead of falling down and staying down, I've recycled not only my heart, but my intentions. Because like I said, my wife and I are trained children's pastors. And it's a little odd for me to be up here speaking without her right beside me because that's how we played in children's church. We always tag-teamed. She would go, I would go. She would do a, a lesson, I would do an object lesson. And that's, I really wish I had a balloon right now because it would be, it's a great object lesson. In fact, let's do a little tend-like. Uh-oh, somebody's got a balloon. This could be good. She might have a balloon. Let's, let's all pray that she has a balloon. Hot dog, we have a balloon. Hurrah! Outstanding. Because you have a balloon, you get $500. Or you can take what's behind door number two. Give me the money. <laughs> it's a good call. It was a goat. Okay. Now this is this is cool. Now everybody in this room has played with a balloon. I know you have. Don't lie to me. I'm, I've played with balloons, and I love the I love this part. I'm going to put this down. Can you can you still hear me? Yeah. yeah. I'll look for you. 24 years in the military. I know how to project. They're going to project. He's going to project. Don't know what that means. That means I can speak clearly and enunciate so that everyone, including all the way in the back, can still hear me. And here's another one just in case. This one may break. If it does, it's okay. I'm a Twain professional. You see, this is, this is the part kids love. Kid, uh, and when I was a kid, I loved this too. I liked to take the balloon and... <laughs> you see, praying, what I taught the kids one time is you got to speak and fill up heaven with your prayer. And you got to hang on to that prayer. Don't let it go or it's going to... Everywhere. Now, don't do this with your prayer. You get your prayer out there, and it's got power in it, but what do you do that messes up the power? You're going to whine a little bit. 
I don't feel like praying today. That person hurt me over there. My mama didn't treat me right when I was a baby. The preacher didn't say anything to me last Sunday. And pretty soon, you've got nothing left. That summed up a lot of my prayer life. I thought I was praying pretty good, going to intercessory prayer on Friday nights, praying in front of people. I thought I was doing pretty good, but I was letting my heart dictate what I did with my prayer, not letting God dictate to me how I was to live my prayer life. There's some examples of types of prayers, not prayers, but prayers, like crockpot prayers, people who take a long time to pray. Because they want to get that prayer tender. They want to make sure that prayer is done. They want to put everything into that prayer that they can so that when that prayer is done, it's something savory. It's rich and full. Then there, that was me because I'm a microwave prayer. Just done. Get on to the next one. And microwave prayers can get a lot done in a short time, but we all know what happens to bread if you microwave it. It gets all hard, quick. You've got to get that prayer in and quick and eat it quick, or it's gonna, it tastes worthless. Then there's fire hose prayers. That's people who just blurt it all out in a hurry. I've got to get this fire put out, so I've got to blurt out this prayer so that I can hose down the fire. Then there's Jiffy Pop prayers. Some of you know what Jiffy Pop is? I hope everyone does. Yeah. Jiffy Pop prayers. Starts off real fast, gets all swole up, and then everybody enjoys it. So what I want to leave with you, and I am just about done, yay, on time too, what I want to leave you with is prayer is not an exercise of intellectual strength. Prayer is your heart talking to God. And I've never been so arrogant to think that God doesn't know what I'm going to pray just before I pray it. In fact, there have been times when I was so distraught, I couldn't pray anything but God help me. In those three words, I said to God all I needed to. And fluffing it out to 
10 minutes or 10 hours wouldn't have changed a thing. My heart talked to God. That's all I want to leave you with is when you pray, remember, it's your heart talking to God. And since his word says he weighs your heart, believe me, he understands. So, thank you, Keith. And thank y'all for being patient with us. I had a, um, an aunt one time, and you mentioned something that just, a lot of things you mentioned made me think of stuff. You know, a lot of times we have sort of misguided prayers. Have you ever been that way? Prayed something that was just a little bit misguided? Well, I have. But I had this aunt one time. And um, there is a scripture in Romans that says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. Because in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And the point of that is, it's totally confusing to your enemy whenever you pray for them. I mean, whenever you do kind acts, because it, it messes up their natural carnal mind. They can't conceive of somebody who is good and godly doing something good and godly for them when this person just hates their guts. Or maybe are going to extreme lengths to hurt them. Well, my aunt... One time, she got really mad. Some of you may have heard me tell this story. She got really mad with somebody in the church. (laughs) And I was at her house. I was probably nine years old. She had a son who was my cousin, and we spent a lot of time together. And um, we were passing through the living area of the home, and my aunt was talking with one of her daughters and she said this, Lord, just heap coals of fire on her head. (laughs) That was only partially biblical, wasn't it? And you know, I appreciate the teaching Michael brought to us this morning because of its multifaceted nature, okay? We hadn't had a teaching on prayer in a long time. And I think that, you know, to me, to me, what I bring away from this message this morning to a large degree is it's, it's, it's reminded me how to properly pray again. Because I, I use misguided prayers a lot. You know, there's not a person in here who isn't prone to praying something selfish or from an impure motive. You know, have you have you ever really caught yourself praying where you wanted you was asking God to make the whole world kind of like you? Because it would be a lot easier if everybody in the world was like me. Well, you know, I told somebody in the car with me this week. I don't even know who it was. I said, you know, if everybody treated purchasing a vehicle like I do, there would be no 
car dealers in the whole United States of America. Because I buy used vehicles and I drive them till you can't get one more breath out of them. And when they stop, you call the wrecker and carry it to the junkyard. Okay, so, so I, don't need, you know, I don't need to pray that people be made like me. I don't want people to think like me necessarily. You know, I mean, I, in terms of being biblical, we need to be moral, we need to be biblical, we need to be all these things, but, you know, I don't want you to think like me. You can't think like me. You can't feel like me. You're a completely, totally different person. But when it comes down to approaching the throne of the Lord and what God planned for you and for me, we need to be spot on. And that's what Michael's telling us this morning. There's, there's, God has His way, and He pulls out of us, He draws out of us the connection to the throne room. And the thing about your recycled heart, I got to thinking about that, um, this little thing here. I'm just sharing a couple things with you, and then we'll move on in just a second. But I got to thinking about this little thing here going through a, a shredder. And you were talking about shredding our hearts. You know, after you shred your heart a few times, it kind of becomes mush, doesn't it? Everything on the outside kind of comes together with that which is on the outside. And you can't distinguish one part from it from another. And it has a tendency to... Um, I'll just be different. And I think that's what God is doing to a lot of people in our house, in our ministry, in our community. He just, he's making our hearts different. I shared with you Friday night how he's made my heart different. And I'm, I'm the better off for it. So thank you, Michael. I appreciate what you've shared with us.